The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Welcome to it. There we go. Third time's the charm. A uh, Tuesday I, uh, edition. I pulled the classic move of turning on the wrong mic. Uh-huh. My mic was on, but yours was off. <laughs> and that's how people want it. Uh, great to be with you on a Tuesday as uh, we get you ready for the uh, turkey, turkey, gobble, gobble, either wild turkey, uh, drink as much as you want within uh, safety, and uh, get loaded up. But uh, we still have two days before we all get fat and happy. Uh, great to be with you on Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Logger, as uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel where you can watch the show. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed is uh, where we're on as well. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we're loaded up. Plenty of thoughts on Nebraska Iowa rivalry week. Uh, all sorts of side discussions to get into when it comes to Thanksgiving. Iowa is the what side at Thanksgiving dinner. So ponder that for a moment. I have a thought. Uh, I'm sure Elijah does. We'll get caught up with Jeremiah Searles in about an hour, our favorite former Husker NFL lineman, get his take on the Big Red versus Iowa. Scott Docterman from The Athletic, he'll join us to talk Iowa-Nebraska. And Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, uh, he'll be with us in about 15 minutes. Can dial up, join us, 489-1240, 489-1240 to get in, 800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to dial. Can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Some thoughts to tell you about as we're on the road tomorrow, Thanksgiving Eve. We're down at the Single Barrel, 9th and P, downtown Lincoln, inside the Graduate. Come on by. If you got to in-laws or outlaws, bring them with, and uh, we'll get hunkered down, and we can stare and smile at that wall of whiskey at the uh, the single barrel. So we're there four to six tomorrow. We are there uh, Friday morning from six a.m. to right before kickoff at the single barrel. Black Friday ahead in Nebraska, Iowa. Uh, Real Red reaction post game show is live uh, around two thirty or so. From the bar, the bar. Uh, so see us post game if you can't make it by pregame at the bar, the bar. That's around 17th and P. Legendary stop. If you haven't been the bar, the bar. It's awesome. Uh, we're excited, and uh, we'll see if our uh, luck changes. The uh, the last few Black Fridays in Lincoln, it's been all Iowa. Uh, Vegas says Nebraska by a whisker. And uh, Nebraska's got to heal up a little bit. Been a pretty physical stretch for them. Same with Iowa. They're wounded a bit on top of just trying to to, to go out uh, with that 10th win and then get to Indy against either Ohio State or Michigan. But uh, first things first, Iowa is what Thanksgiving side? I was supposed to be thinking about this, but I ended up thinking... Man, do I have to get up early on Saturday morning? We're doing a Saturday morning show this week. Yeah? Yes, we are. And it's either going to be the first show of the off season or the first show of bowl season, depending on what happens on Friday. But mm-hmm. had to, to get that one locked in. Locked in. If Nebraska sure wins know. on Friday, I think we can think about Las Vegas. 
for Nebraska. I'm still crossing my fingers for Phoenix. Yeah, so would I. That, that Phoenix would be incredible. That would also be pre-Christmas. Well, then I'm not going to talk about any any bowl matchup or location because you're the one who started this. Once they got to five, I was like, "All right, bowl." We dove in a little early, and, and we're still waiting uh, to see if Nebraska gets bowl eligible against Iowa in that evasive sixth win. But I don't have the Iowa hate as much as. A lot of Nebraskans, like, I kind of hated Colorado. I really didn't like Oklahoma as a kid. Those were the two Friday games for me. And then Iowa's always felt a little forced, but it's turned into something really pretty good where uh, there's tight ball games recently, there's drama, and there's been something on the line. Now, there's not been much on the line for Nebraska. There's been more on the line for Iowa but this rivalry, you know, uh, got a coach popped. Uh, it wasn't a good enough win to, to keep beating the Iowas of the world. I do believe a uh, redheaded athletic director once said, not that one, the Shermanator. So, you know, Iowa's not been a measuring stick. That utterance by Eichhorst set off some fury in Iowa City and They've really taken it out. I mean, they have pounded Nebraska a lot uh, last year, the exception. There's been some one-score games, of course, as well during the Frost era. But, no, I I respect Iowa. I I say that, and a lot of Nebraska fans are, like, booing and throwing things at me uh, virtually. But if I'm going to name Iowa as a Thanksgiving Day item, I'm probably going to call them the turkey because I think some of the sides are the stars, other programs in the Big Ten, desserts, dessert, and then there's the turkey. It can either be good or terrible. And, and Iowa is really good on defense. They've been kind of terrible on offense, and special teams has been a little bit. This year's Iowa turkey is the turkey from Christmas Vacation, where you can see the heart. Uh, all right? I mean, it, it just... <laughs> Yet they're knocking on 10 wins. So that's where I'm at. They're the turkey because turkey's a last draft pick for me as far as meat to eat. I'm trying to think Not of the, the right. last, but it's close. I'm trying to think of the right comparison here because what Iowa football is to me is it's a dish that is kind of bland. Doesn't take like, you know, a whole bunch of work. It's not the most exciting star of the show, but man, every single time I, it comes to me. Like, I'm going to grab one because, you know what? It gets the job done. It's probably like a your your aunt's, like, gluten-free dinner rolls. <laughs> well, we, we've <laughs> Matthew chimes in dinner roll, maybe. Uh, the other Dave says Iowa is the in-law site of Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, I love my in-laws. They're hosting Thursday. So. Or, or maybe it's uh, maybe Iowa is like the mashed potatoes if somebody forgot to bring gravy. And they're the instant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not the boiled and then, and then mashed. They're, they're the, the instant they're, powder. They're, they're the box <laughs> where, oh, you put enough gravy on these, you can slam them down. But right now, Iowa just doesn't have much gravy going on they, with they their don't. football team. They don't. Yeah, they're, they're, they're hearty. You know, they they really fill the gaps in your stomach, but it's not anything that I'm going out of my way to be like, yeah, that's 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 the star of the show on Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, well, and, and Brennan kind of echoes what I was saying. He put it more eloquently. Brennan, our friend in the Black Hills, Iowa's the turkey from Christmas vacation. Looks phenomenal on the outside, ranked at 9-2. and two. But as soon as you get to the middle, it is a catastrophe. <laughs> well done. We'll take more of your uh, Iowa is what Thanksgiving uh, Day food item. That's probably the winner. That's that, a good that, one. That's, that's pretty good. That's well put. Can chime in in the stream, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Iowa is the case of Bush Light I bring to Thanksgiving. Crew, good work. That actually works, though, because, like, man, a lot of other beers I'd rather have on Thanksgiving. But but at least it's beer. At least it's beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the $90 bottle of wine. It's not the, the rye whiskey. It's not Templeton. It's not Vicks tequila. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's Bush Light. But, but people love Bush Light. Oh, yeah, that, that's what I was going to say, is even if you, you don't like Bush Light, whenever you see one on Thanksgiving, it's the only beer you got, I'll take it. And that's watching Iowa football. It's better than no football on TV. But it can't, you have too much Bush Light, you're going to hate in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rusty checks in. Rusty 412. Green bean casserole. It's always there, but nobody really wants it. I disagree. <laughs> uh, Rusty, Green I'm, bean casserole is one of the stars of the show for me. It is good. It is incredible. I love the crispy onion topping. Like, the, the green beans with like the, the the cream of mushroom sauce in there, that's just all right. Like if somebody goes and takes the top off of the green bean casserole, not gonna be very good. No, you're gonna absolutely beat that person. But the crispy onions the on top, that's the star of the show. If someone just takes all those fried onions off the top, I mean it's code red time. You're grabbing a tube sock, a bar of soap, and all the uncles are gonna hold you down and just uh Swing. <laughs> Snitley chimes in here on the stream. Templeton is made in Iowa. I know it is. At least it was bottled and uh, sent from there back in the uh, the era of prohibition. That does say Iowa on the bottle, doesn't it? That makes me a little frustrated. Thank you, Mr. Snitley. 489-1240. But we'll get into uh, some of the news of the day in just a moment, that is Ty Robinson. Thumbs up. Big Ty is coming back to Lincoln. We'll hear from Ty Robinson. We'll hear from uh, Coach White, Nebraska's defensive coordinator. Name mentioned today for the San Diego State opening. Uh, his uh, mentor, Rocky Long, of course, there. Uh, and very familiar with the Aztec program. And uh, Brady Hoke, fat guy in a little coat, is retiring and one thing Brady could do better than coaching is recruiting. So you've got a, a program in San Diego State, or San Diego, as Ron Burgundy said. Uh, San Diego State is a squad that, look, they're going to be dancing with Oregon State, likely in Washington State, and they're going to have a little bit better stage than they've had in past years for years san diego state to be the program this is the marshall falk era where they were playing a lot of buy games so san diego state to be playing the miamis of the world uh in in the the non-conference um the other comments that are coming in and the theme today is iowa is what thanksgiving day food item uh, brian says iowa is showing up to the in-laws for Thanksgiving dinner, finding out they're vegan, and it's tofu turkey. Ooh, I hope that's just 
extremely um, relatable for you, Brian, in a sense that someone told you about it. You've never actually had to experience and no hate on any vegans out there. Uh, just not practicing myself. Don't know that I will be. We'll get to some emails as well. Uh, 489-1240 to get in. But let's hear a little bit from Ty Robinson. He made his announcement today. Several players that are going to walk or could have walked met with the media. Ty Robinson back for year number six. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've sat down with the coaches already. Uh, and we thought that it'd be in the best interest that I come back for another year. So I'll be returning for a sixth year. What went into that? Uh, you know, just I, I put a lot of thought into it. Uh, I, I was out last uh, winter and spring with a surgery, so I really only had two months to really get ready for uh, for football. And, you know, Coach Rule and Coach Nine said that they kind of made a joke that when we played uh, last week, that was really week three for football for me, us playing against NIU, just because that's how far behind I was with, with football. Uh and also, I think just, you know, with my dreams and aspirations to go on to the to the next level, I think coming back another year to really sharpen uh, some tools and some skills that I need uh, can help. So that is Ty Robinson. That is great news. You had Papa Bear, Papa Polar Bear on Twitter earlier saying, man, can't wait to see this Nebraska defensive line Next season together, Brett emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. I hate you for not hating Iowa. Brett, happy Thanksgiving. Hugs to you and your family. Uh, I just can't. I got uh, one of my best friends is Iowa Russ, for God's sake. He showed me a good time in Iowa City last year. He's, you know, if Hawkeye fans are all like him, he's gold, baby. They're gold. I, uh. Can't complain. Now, the games have been nothing but black and blue fests. That is something that's um, taken some time. You have the infamous Mark Banker comment, the bloodbath. I mean, Iowa's practiced a certain way. And uh, Nebraska's no doubt had to get bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, And uh, they're a work in progress on that. We got a call in from Don. You didn't want to go on the air, but he does say, that uh, Iowa, what their Thanksgiving dishes. If, if you ever watched the show Mash back in the day, I love Mash. Whenever they had the Thanksgiving dinner, they had the lamb all set to go, but then they couldn't bring themselves to slaughter lamb. At least Radar couldn't, so they had the spam instead. He said Iowa is the spam lamb. Okay, the spam lamb from Mash. Uh, when I think of the the show Mash, I think of the still that that Hawkeye had in his tent. That always made me smile, and no doubt was. Uh, it was bad enough to, to be visiting that 4077 unit in Korea, and then you just pray that uh, Hawkeye wasn't seeing three when he was cutting into you. Uh, we'll get Mitch Sherman's thoughts on this upcoming showdown, Nebraska v. Iowa, as uh, Black Friday looms. Roadshow for us tomorrow at the Single Barrel, 4-6, to six, 9th and P downtown, and then a pregame show, Black Friday, uh, going to be rolling also at the single barrel, 9th and P, 17th and P for post game at the bar, the bar. Excited to be out there 
and uh, do Real Red Reaction. Seth and Greg, gracious enough to have us. And a big thanks to the Single Bear all year long, too, putting, uh, putting us up on Thursdays and Saturday pregames. Uh, loaded show for you today. Mitch Sherman going to join us. Uh, we'll check in. Jeremiah Searles, his thoughts on the rivalry on Nebraska as they head in. And uh, we'll get locked in with Scott Docterman. He's on the way. More of your comments in the stream. Iowa is what Thanksgiving dish? Uh, what type of food are they? Uh, we'll take your thoughts. Wrong or right answers only. Hail Varsity YouTube can stream that way. It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Ah, yes, he's ready to unleash the fury. It is Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Find him on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, you, you set up for Thursday. How are you? Yeah, uh, haven't uh, turned my attention too much to that yet, but I'll be uh, I'll be ready to, to sit down. I don't I don't have a lot of responsibilities other than just eat, finding a chair, and picking up a fork. Well, that's that's all right. We are getting inundated by our wonderful listeners via email and the stream and phone calls. We threw out the Iowa is what item on the Thanksgiving Day spread. And I kind of said their their offense resembles the Griswold turkey at Christmas. I know I'm mixing holidays here, but you, you are that's not a, that is not a thanks. That's I mean it could be the Griswold turkey served at Thanksgiving. I, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if you were to to kind of put a label on the Iowa offense, what what side or Thanksgiving Day dish would they be? Like a really dry helping of corn. Um, <laughs> And it's supposed to be kind of, it's supposed to have some juice to it, and it'd be like if you went to the, to the, to the plate or the bowl, the dish that had the corn in, in it to, to serve it up on your plate for a, a nice side, and it, it just came out, real crusty and and just unappetizing. Uh, that, that was uh, that was well painted, uh, Mitch. Mitch Sherman's with us. Let's talk a little bit about the news today. Get to some football. And uh, first and foremost, Ty Robinson. Are you surprised Ty's coming back? A little bit, yeah. I'm just writing that here on my screen right now. Uh, I am. I mean, it's his sixth year, and, and he'll be just a few days short of his 24th birthday when the 2025 NFL draft comes around. And he's doing this to sharpen his skills, he said, so that he can be a better NFL prospect and and Ty, you know, for the better part of his career, was either dealing with injuries, like as was the case in the off season, leading up to Matt Rule's first year here and this defensive coaching staff's first year, or I mean, you know, just kind of being in a spot where people were awaiting him to to break out. And I think he got himself in the best shape of his career this season. He looks different physically. And he really has enjoyed a great second half of, of this season. And it's gotten him to a place where I kind of expected that with what he had put on film, that he might just go here at age 22 and, and just jump in to get started. But it's an indication in part of how he feels about the progress in this program. It's not just coming back to 
become a better NFL player because if, if that was the case, you can get started on that and, and you know, work your way in on a, on a path through the league where, you know, you, you maybe don't get drafted as high as you'd like to, but um, there are opportunities there if you're a good player in a training camp and, and you make a team. Um, he's, he's done this in part because he likes what he sees in Nebraska and wants to be a part of that for another year. Mitch Sherman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, talking at Nebraska. We look ahead to Iowa here momentarily. But first, Mitch, Ty Robinson's the first name, I mean, off the board in terms of the decision-making process. What other names are you going to be following here? It's, it's such a confusing time with the COVID year still throwing a wrench into things with red shirts and everything. I don't know who still has a year of eligibility left and who doesn't, if I'm being completely frank with you. Have you looked into this? Well, what are the, 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 the names that still have a question mark in terms of if they can come back next year or not? I have looked into it, and um, I can tell you that players like like Anthony Grant and Omar Brown, Billy Kemp, Quentin Newsome, Marcus Washington, Josh Fleeks, Luke Reimer, they're all, Nuri Nuili, um, they're all at the end. They're their seniors, and, and this will be their senior day, and they won't be back at Nebraska next year. But then you have a whole group like Nick Henrich and Bryce Benhart, uh, Robinson, we mentioned, Ramir Johnson, Javen Wright, Ethan Piper, Bushini, John Bullock, um, Garcia Castaneda. Uh, they're all fifth-year fifth year juniors and could come back for another year because of the COVID year. And then there's others like Ben Scott, who's a fourth-year junior, uh, who you know I think faces a decision. And I could see Ben Scott going to, to the NFL as Nebraska, Nebraska's starting center. Um, but he also is, is somebody who has another year. Let's get into Black Friday and, and the matchup here, Mitch. Uh, Nebraska and presumably Chuba will get the nod. Uh, seems to be the healthiest right now and uh, performed really well on the road. And uh, let's talk about Nebraska's offense for a moment against that, that Hawkeye defense. You know, what, what can Nebraska do offensively to keep Iowa off balance and try and forge some points. Well, I think Iowa's going to be ready for the short passing game that Nebraska showed early to loosen some things up against Wisconsin. That's how they started to move the, move the chains against the Badgers before the Huskers hit those two big plays on the, on the scoring plays, both from 50 yards plus. So once Wisconsin started to do some things on the edges to shut down that pass to Kemp um, and some other wide receiver screens, then they they held Nebraska in check, really, until the last drive of the game, uh, the last drive of regulation for the Huskers. So, you know, Iowa's going to be aware of that. They'll have seen what Nebraska did to have success early against the Badgers, and Nebraska will have to adjust to that and change some things up. Um, I think you can incorporate the tight end. Uh, they, you know, Nebraska has been able to run the ball uh, against just about everybody on its schedule, with the exception of Michigan, and they're going to have to go back to that and, and get Emmett Johnson involved, and you'll see Chuba in the in the run game. I'm sure uh, he won't surprise Iowa with his speed like he did Wisconsin on that on that first touchdown run. But I still think he can be effective in getting some chunks for Nebraska in this game. I mean, Iowa has a very very good defense and they're very sound. That's the main thing. But they've taken some hits because of injuries, just like the Iowa offense has. And the big one being Cooper DeGene, their star corner who was out for this game so maybe there's some things that nebraska believes it can do in the past game like we saw a year ago because of injuries in the iowa secondary 
Mitch Sherman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, I want to dive specifically into that Husker rushing attack. Iowa this year is directly behind Michigan in terms of yards per rush in the uh, in the Big Ten. Michigan's at three yards per rush exactly. Iowa's at 3.1, but they've only allowed two rushing touchdowns on this season. Well, what's a healthy rushing total for Nebraska on Friday? How do they win this game on the ground, I guess, is, is what I'm asking you. Well, I don't think you can just go out and run it at I mean, you can run it at them, but I don't think you can just go out and be one-dimensional and – and run the ball if you're Nebraska and expect that's going to put up any points, any any or many points. Um, probably not going to do well in the red zone if that's your that's your plan. So they're going to have to mix in some things passing wise. And like I said, tight ends, some short stuff over the middle. Um, try those those intermediate routes. You know, it's, it's not going to be a great day to throw the ball. Cold um, is the is the forecast at Memorial Stadium, I believe, on Friday, and it, it's it's just going to be a physical. Um, close to the line of scrimmage game with without a lot of points scored. So anything that you can get offensively or even yardage into, on special teams or a mistake that you can capitalize on that the Iowa offense produces with, with the, the Nebraska defense to, to sh- set up a short field, all of those things are going to be so magnified because it's not going to be a game where there's five or six touchdowns scored, more likely you know one, two, or three. Mitch, let's talk Tony White. Uh, we'll play a little bit of Tony next segment, but he had time with the media today and uh, very complimentary of Rule's endorsement yesterday. What's your feel? What are you hearing about Tony White? Uh, I mean, San Diego State's out there. There's other openings out mm-hmm. there. And, you know, what are your thoughts right now with Tony White and, and his future? I thought he sounded like a guy who was ready. Um, when he talked today, you know, he's, there was a little bit of almost past tense and talking about everything that he, he appreciated, everything that, that Matt Rule has done for him or that Matt Rule did for him. That doesn't, you, you don't want to read too much into just the way that he words things. And, you know, he's saying that he's focused on this week, but I, you, you have a real sense that right now he's in one of those places where his mind is, is, is going one way. And, and he's also coaching this team. And, and, you know, he's capable of being able to do both those things. Lots of coaches have done that for short periods of time in November and, and December in college football. That's just, that's just the, the way of, of the world in college football. And, and, and Tony's right in that, in that spot right now, I think. But I think, he's, I think if, if he gets an offer um, that he's intrigued by, He's ready to go, and um, he definitely was humbled by, you could tell in his voice and by his reaction, by what Matt Rule said yesterday and in, in, in publicly endorsing him and saying that Tony should should go get a job and, and that, that anyone who's looking should want Tony White as their head coach. So we'll see. Um, sometimes these situations come up and you end up being a runner-up um, in, the, in the process, and Maybe the right thing won't come around for him. Maybe the job that he's best suited for isn't open right now or hasn't opened yet this, this cycle, and he could very well end up back in Lincoln. But um, it, he's a hot, a hot commodity, and I think there are going to be options for him. It just is going to have to come down to whether it's the right option and how he how, – I think we know how he views Nebraska. He likes the situation here and, and the news 
today that Ty Robinson's coming back in the middle of that defense, I think would would only be a, a chip in, in on the Nebraska side. That would help. It, it helps him uh, be comfortable about the the unit that Nebraska is going to put out there next year if he's if he's back on the sideline. I think he could expect they're going to have another good season and he's going to be right back in the spot a year from now. But you don't want to pass up on the right opportunity if it's there for you um, at this moment. Mitch, last thought here, 30 seconds. If Tony White does, in fact, leave after the season, is is Evan Cooper next in line? Does Nebraska go external? What are your thoughts there? Well, I think they like Evan Cooper where he's at in, in that head evaluator role. I could see him getting a promotion, you know, a different title. But coordinating the defense, I don't know um, if that plays to his strength. You know, he's the best recruiter on the Nebraska staff, the, well, the best talent evaluator mm-hmm. on the Nebraska staff, and you don't want to take that. Um, necessarily out of his hands at this point in his career. I think they'd look outside, and you know they're going to look at the guy who's the interim head coach at, if it comes to this, they were going to look at the guy who's the interim head coach at Texas A&M right now, Elijah Robinson. Um, but you know he's probably going to have other offers too. And you know Tony White may be back, so um, we'll, we'll, well, we're going to find out um, a lot, not just about this situation, but others in this transactional period for college football that starts. Well, really right now, but but in in um, in full speed mode next week. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, you take care. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Okay, thanks. Same to you guys. All right, there he is, Mitch Sherman. We'll have some more thoughts. Coach White next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman for joining us here. Hale Varsity Radio with you on a Tuesday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll spend time with Jeremiah Searles 25 minutes from now. Scott Docterman will join us in Hour 2. Get Scott's take on Nebraska-Iowa. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law Personal Injury. Have you been hurt in a personal injury accident? You can count on Dyer Law and the team to provide you with the helping hand when you need it, no matter what you're dealing with. Call Dyer Law and the team today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your personal injury claim. That's Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. Get to your phone calls and emails in just a minute uh munchy our old boy from rosie's downtown checks in and he uh tended to agree with mitch although i do believe uh munchy's uh description of the corn is a little different he says it's i was canned corn Mm -hmm. little effort disappointing needs a lot of butter (laughs) and as much as you'd like to forget about it you get reminded the next day with Iowa, you look at the standings with, oh, with, with Cornets. <laughs> look at you. Two days in a row, we get wonderful bathroom, bathroom humor. I like it. I, when I think of canned corn versus corn, it makes me say, you know what? It's not summertime, and I can't go feast on ears of corn, the, 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 the grilled corn on the cob. No, no, no. Here, here's the thing. Here's the secret. And Paul, thanks for hanging on the line. We'll get to you in just a second. Paul's like, it's, this is not a cooking show. Shut up and take my football call. Secret from my dad, though. You go get that, that corn in the summertime. Mm-hmm. You freeze it. You blanch it, yeah, and you cut it off the cob, and you right. vacuum seal it, freeze it. So we're going to have, 
I'm so sure you're, you're beautiful set. summer corn Ooh. on Thanksgiving tomorrow. It's going to taste beautiful. Dale checks in on the stream. We're talking Iowa. What food do they represent at Thanksgiving? Um, Grandma Mabel's fruitcake is uh, what Dale thinks of, of Iowa. Paul, thanks for hanging. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I think we have the ultimate proof that all Iowa wants to be is Nebraska. Because it's the Brian Ferentz situation. After we beat them on Friday, they're firing a 9-3 and three coach. <laughs> At least it's a coordinator. <laughs> but it, it hurts a little more when it's your blood. I'll say I mean, that. Didn't, didn't the AD, didn't he say something about not wanting to go into mediocrity. Oh, during it, the it was parents, uh, it, it was it was Stevie P. Erie. Yes, it was it was it was not good. It was not good. And it should be noted, Iowa's athletic director is a she. Yes, just let's throw that out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, but hmm. point taken, Paul. Well, uh, all I can all I can hope is that they have the same experience as we did when we fired a coach that could go nine and three. Well. I I would argue that that Big Brian's helped them get exquisite on defense because <laughs> they've had to be. <laughs> Paul, happy Thanksgiving! Thanks for the phone call today. Have a good one, guys. You too. Good to hear from Paul. And I wonder if if is it Beth Gates? Is that her name? I wonder if her handling of the Brian Ferentz situation might spell the end of the road for Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. Yeah, I I don't know. There's it's like, there's, it's there's like one of those things in a relationship. A of that mo- just there's be, a lot of money on the table, but it's one of those things that like that's got to be hard to come back from in a relationship. You know, like like not necessarily like like I, I think using the 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 dating metaphor mm-hmm. works in this case, but I'm not not going there directly. <laughs> like 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 this is just one of those mistakes that like are you ever going to be able to get over? Like, hey, we went ten and two or nine and three this season. You know our offense wasn't great, but you know what it did at one football games, and you're gonna fire my son. Like that's just got to be hard to get over. It's Beth Goats. 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 G O E T Z. That's how you say that. What? What do you? How should I say it? Wouldn't the O E make an A sound? Gates. Gates might be. I don't know. I went a long time ago in English, clearly. <laughs> I avoided English classes for the life of yeah, me. Yeah, but you listened well. Uh, <laughs> Let's hear from Tony White. I know how that that name is spelled at the end, and I don't mess that. I'm butcher that. Wouldn't you look at you teaching me ninth grade, fourth grade English? I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry, uh, Tony White. Let's talk a little bit here about um, well the, the the well the coaching carousel, balancing his name in the head coach running, and also the task at hand for Black Friday. Can you give me a cut number? Yeah, it's uh, it says right there, number four. Anything like that is a reflection of the young men playing and the other coaches and the work that they they put in. You know, I mean, I just, I mean, I I, I just have to, I, you know, uh, that's the way I take that. That that has nothing to do with me. It's all those guys running around making. I didn't make one tackle this year. I didn't make, you know, one sack this year. Those young men 
perform, you know, and those assistant coaches got him in a position to perform. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you, you work to be in a position like that. But I, I, I say this all the time, you know, you, you, you handle that after the season. Hey, your name ain't going to be up there if you give up 300 yards rushing and lose this game. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's, it's cool and all, but it's cool because Nebraska gets recognized and Coach Rule taking a chance on me gets recognized and the young men playing get recognized. Like, that's cool, you know. Anything good with me is on automatic good for Nebraska, good for the players. So that that's the way I take that. Uh, more from Coach White, what he's learned from Matt Rule, cut five. I think the most important thing Coach Rule does is is he is so involved, so engaged with all aspects, you know, recruiting uh, with with strength and conditioning, with uh, the players, with the offense, with the defense. I mean, he he is very he's very hands on, you know, and that's that's what you want to be. You 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 work and gain all this experience, and then as a head coach, you want to sit back and not do, not really do anything. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's actually opposite, right? You get a chance to see him see him work and see how. You know, he pulls a guy aside and watches their PFF with them and gets him in a different mindset. You see him uh, go and sit down and eat with 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 the walk on guys and just hey, you just kick back and, and ask him how their day was. You know, you pull in a guy and say, hey, on this academic deal, what happened on this in this one class? You know, da, da, da. like every facet, every facet of the program, every every individual is is always thought about and being touched and trying to be developed and, and trying to trying to be put in, a, in the correct mindset. So. That's 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 what great leaders do. Well, Tony White, uh, very thankful. Uh, last side here from Coach White. We'll sneak it in uh, when it comes to Matt Rule's endorsement. Cut six. I don't think that's. I mean, ever happened to me in that degree. You know, I mean, I, I, you just want to, as an assistant coach. You know, I, I heard it best, man. You just be a great assistant coach. You know, I mean, that that's it. Just do what you're supposed to do, be a great resource for the other assistant coaches, be a great resource for the players and, 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 and good things will happen. You know, so I've never had a coach stand up there and, and, and say that I actually don't know how to react to it. You know, I just, I just want to do a good job for him and the, and the chances he gave to me and my family, you know I mean? The, the responsibility he gave to me, I want to make sure I do a good job for him. Well, uh, a lot of heartfelt thoughts there from Tony White, and we'll see where he ends up, Lincoln or somewhere else. Who would have thought we were both wrong? Crew says it's pronounced Getz. Ah. So we went Gates and we went Goats. We were both wrong. We should have met in the middle. It's the old silent O. I I showed that I'm a big, dumb animal, though. That's important. We'll wind down Hour 1. Hail Varsity continues, powered by Cornhead Lager. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Searles in 10 minutes. His take on Nebraska, Iowa. Scott Docterman with the Athletic Talking Nebraska Hawkeyes as uh, Todd, our dear friend Todd, emails in chris at hailvarsity.com. Why isn't Iowa everyone's most consistent go-to side that you can always count on to get the job done since that's what they do? That's hmm. It's a solid take there, Todd. That's uh, why I think maybe the mashed potatoes without gravy is the way to go. They never implode, so they can't be the Griswold turkey. And it's, it's hard to screw up mashed potatoes. But they, they can make you sick. I mean, I've talked to enough uh, Hawkeye fans 
over my time. Even last year when we were in Iowa City doing the pre and the post game, they were over how uh, ineffective the offense was. Now they went to they they could have gone to the the Big Ten championship game, but they've they've done that two of the last three years. No, I mean they're they're solid. They're, well, you know what? I'm sticking with mashed potatoes without gravy. Because, like, you don't want mashed potatoes to be a meal. No. It's a good side dish. Like, you need some other things to spruce it up, and that's how I feel about Iowa football. I still think they're the turkey. Because, like, if if they get a little bit of offense, it's probably a really good turkey. Mm -hmm. If it's so-so, I mean, you just deal with it, and you put gallons of gravy on said turkey. And that works, too, because you can't have Thanksgiving without the turkey, even though it's not everyone's favorite. Like, everyone would rather have, like, you know, prime rib on Thanksgiving. It's tradition. But you, you have to. Uh-huh. Tradition, that's a good word to the, use the, here. The, the other, Big Ten wouldn't be the Big Ten without Iowa right. doing Iowa things. Sure. I mean, it wouldn't be the Big Ten without Iowa beating the hell out of Ohio State. And you also have to look one at... One time. And, like, the people who, like, their favorite meal on Thanksgiving is turkey, you look at them and go, why? And it's the same with Iowa fans. You look at them support that football program and you go, like... Why? Because they win eight, nine, or ten ball games. Scott checks in. Iowa is the food equivalent of Aunt Bethany's lime jello and cat food salad ring. <laughs> Christmas vacation. I have successfully mesh pointed the uh, Christmas vacation flick with turkey and, uh, and Thanksgiving and, and, of course, Iowa. Uh, 489-1240. 489-1240 or 800 825 5865. We'll squeeze in a couple more calls. Who do we got? We got Dave on the line. Dave, what do you say? I say Iowa is like the turkey sandwich that you have about two hours after you've already eaten, and now you just want to lay down and take a nap because you don't really want to watch, but you got to have that sandwich. Right. I mean, you got to finish off the bird, right? And it's the final step in really and, putting and, you to sleep. Right, <laughs> it, right. And some will say that the leftovers are the best part of Thanksgiving. Yeah, it, but you know what? It's the nap afterward that kills it. it yeah, it does. The tryptophan. And that's what watching an Iowa game is like. It's like taking a nap. Until, Did anything happen? No, I'm going back to bed. Right. You just pray that they're not putting you to sleep. Right, with True. the uh, the old body True. blows. Happy Thanksgiving, Dave. Thanks for the phone yeah, call. you guys too. All right, we'll uh, get to more of your comments in the stream. Can always watch the show, Hale Varsity YouTube. Check us out there, the video and the audio, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Give Elijah a follow on Twitter at Herbalessence at Schmidt underscore radio for me. And uh, we'll spend time with Jeremiah Searles, hour two. Scott Docterman on the way. It's Our City Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Back into it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in our favorite Husker NFL offensive lineman, Jeremiah Searles. He's all ready for turkey and stuffing and, dare I say, green bean casserole, Papa Searles. I, 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 I don't discriminate against any 
against any Thanksgiving food. No, no size. Sauce. Okay, cranberry I, sauce is disgusting. <laughs> Get the canned. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's a fruit. It's a fruit roll up. It's a fruit roll up. In a can. No. That's what it tastes There's like. There's no need for that. There's no need for that. If I want sugar, I'm going straight to the pie. I'm not going to cranberry <laughs> sauce. If I want sugar and filling, straight to the pumpkin apple pie. No, no. Here's my thing. The canned cranberry sauce, no. Homemade cranberry sauce, yes. Never made it homemade. And Searles is like setting both on fire. It's okay. Searles, <laughs> uh, you're not going to do a little pecan action? I mean, again, I discriminate against no pies, but I think the wife. I think the wife went with uh, my mom and got apple and pumpkin pies. So, okay, uh, you know that's that's the go-to here. It's a little smaller Thanksgiving here at my parents' place. They have a little bit smaller of a house. Kitchen's not very big, so my wife actually bought her brought her toaster oven with her, so we could have another oven here. So cool. We're all set for. We're doing it tomorrow night, um, Wednesday night, because I'm actually driving back to Nebraska on Thanksgiving. So. so- that's that's a roadie. That's a quick turn and burn. It is. Yeah, we got out here on Sunday and then turned around because I had had New York on Saturday to watch J. Mike play on cool. Sunday against the Giants or against the Patriots, Giants Patriots. So excited about that too. That'll be good. So I Iowa- well, saying Giants Patriots will be good. That's no it, see, seeing so- your guy. That'll be good. Well, I'm not sure about watching the Giants and the Patriots play football. Listen. Listen, the last two times I've so I've had two trips out to New York that have gotten canceled. The first one was on the Monday Night Football the opener. And they got killed, and it was pouring rain. The second time I was supposed to go out there was two weeks ago, and they ended up pouring rain, getting killed again. So I'm hoping that now third time's a charm. It's going to be decent weather. I know it's not going to be warm in New York at the end of November. Decent weather and possibly a better game. Iowa is what side? The cranberry sauce of the Searles? Yeah, I was the leftovers you feed to the dog after everything's done. You <laughs> scrape it off the plate and go, there you go, bud. Welcome to Thanksgiving. So Iowa hate is real. You guys didn't lose. Eh, you lost one game I to them. I lost my senior year. Yeah, you weren't playing, though, though, were you? I was. I was dinged up. I had an MCL sprain. But that one still sticks in my craw, man. That's We had a lot of big wins and the Memorial, a lot of big losses. But walking off Memorial Stadium for the last time with a loss to those losers that one stuck. Well, well, tell me about the the senior day factor of that day. Is that why that stings so much that you know you get honored pregame, you get your little rose, you get a hug from Coach Bo, and and you guys can't get it done on senior day? I've heard a lot of stories of people that that if it's a, a loss on senior day, it sticks on your craw for a long time. Hundred percent. It's it's the last. I mean, it's your last impression of a Husker, right? I know we had the bowl game, but like your last impression of in that stadium, what will you be remembered for? And I know people like people forget. But you don't forget your last time in that stadium. Like I can remember that day vividly, coming out of the tunnel, giving Coach Bo a hug, seeing my mom, my dad, my brother there on the stadium, like, and just wanting to walk off there with the Heroes Trophy and going, man, my last time here was a win, a big win over our rivals. Like, and when that doesn't happen, yeah, it, it just really sticks with you as a player. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Nebraska, Iowa. Week is Searles gearing up for Thanksgiving with the fam, uh, with that. That that game, not to dwell on it too much, but that was the the infamous Bo swinging his hat. How close to to you were Bo to you to Bo were you swinging the hat around because he was within millimeters of the official. <laughs> I, I still to this day kind of wish like what would have happened if he did right like it would he got he would have gotten kicked out for sure sure right like he would have gotten ejected and it's like maybe that's all we would have needed right maybe that. <laughs> 
maybe him getting the boot and giving the double birds on the way out would have been like the, the little little nudge in the pants that we needed. But I also do remember that being the game where we all kind of went to bat for him afterwards to mm-hmm. keep his job. Right? I remember myself, Kenny Bell. I think that was the infamous I'll go to the gates of hell to fight for Bo Pelini type of mm-hmm. quote. But, you know, I wasn't anywhere close to him. I remember getting the foul. Like, the, I think I was on the sideline. And I remember getting the, the hearing the, the whistle and looking up at the, at the big board and seeing him do it. Like, well, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Searles, what, uh, what do you make of, of last week? I want to focus in on Chuba and a little bit of the spark the offense had. What do you see from the defense? And let's apply it to, to Black Friday. Yeah, you know, I thought for the situation that Chubba came in, I was really proud of the way that he came in and at least started that football game, right? You know, showing that he's a little faster than I would give him credit for. I mean, I was yelling, slide, slide. And I was like, oh, <laughs> score, run, little boy, run, right? Like, looks like the poor man's Eric Crouch streaking up the sideline there. And, you know, so that was great. And then he delivered a couple of good balls. But overall, you know, he needs to take a big jump if he is the starter this week of understanding that it's okay to get from one to two to three in his progression because towards the end of the game there, it was one tuck and run. And there was plenty of times I went back and watched the tape, you know, Bullock's coming open over the middle in the second window or Fedoni's passing the linebackers to get to the second window. And overall, I thought the pass protection was pretty good for the most part from the offensive line. He wasn't under duress a ton all day. You know, so like we talked about at the beginning of the season, guys taking huge jumps from week one to week two, I'd like to see what Purdy can look like going from first start to second start if he is the guy. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I was a little little disappointed in our ability to get after the quarterback. I thought this was, you know, Tanner Mordecai was a guy we'd be able to get to, frustrate, fluster, and he was able to create and move with his legs, not under pressure, but more just because he could and create because it was covered down the field. You know, so losing guys like Nash was a little dinged up, losing Blaze Gunnarsson, Elijah Judy, you know, our depth is really being tested at a position that was already kind of limited on depth to start with you know so that's going to be something that's going to be something very closely watched on black friday of how does the depth of our defensive line hold up because it was pretty apparent when when zero and nine were out of the game wisconsin knew it and wisconsin went straight up the gut and i expect iowa to do a lot of the same yeah with with iowa's offensive struggles searles is that a concern for you the fact that Nebraska's defensive line is is thin or because of Iowa's offensive struggles, do you think that this might be the game where if you are going to be thin on the defensive line, you can be okay? I guess which side of the coin are you in terms of just how bad is Iowa's offense? Yeah, you know, I honestly believe Wisconsin's offensive line is much better than Iowa's offensive line. I mean, Tanner Bordellini's an NFL player at center. Jack Nelson's an NFL player at tackle. Right, You look at Iowa's offensive line and they just don't have the same type of caliber player across the board. So, yeah, it's okay to be a little bit thin at that position, but when it becomes a war of attrition, which is what this game is going to be on Friday, it's the depth that worries me in the second half of can these guys sustain the the going and getting beaten? Can Nash and Ty play 50, 60 snaps a game? Like, can those guys do it? And if they can, great. But if they can't, that's when I start getting a little concerned. And to flip it around, Searles, what kind of talent do you see on the Iowa defense? I mean, they're fantastic as for Chubba, we talked about how poised he was against Wisconsin. I think you worry about that with an Iowa defense that is uh, a bunch of ball hawks in the secondary, linebackers that are fast and flow to the football and really make you pay whenever you try to go inside. What is your concern level in terms of getting another poised performance from, from Chubba Purdy on Friday? Yeah, you know, it's very concerning because the strength of this defense is their front seven. 
I mean, their front seven, you talk about the interceptions, those type of things in the back end, that's all caused by the defensive lineman, the linebackers getting to the quarterback and speeding up the throws or giving inherent throws. You know, so for me, being able to run the football in this game is going to be pivotal, but Iowa hasn't let anyone run on them really all year. You know, and for the way to do it, if you are going to run against this Iowa team, is you can't just bang your head against the wall running up the A-gaps and the B-gaps. It's got to be the option game, getting to the outside, the speed options, the pin-pull type stuff, trying to get to their edges and then understanding when to take your shots. You know, with Cooper DeGene being out for them, their All-American corner, first-round draft pick, you know, him not being in there, they're a little thin at the cornerback position. So if you can try and establish even a little bit of a run, I think we'll have limited opportunities, and we have to make sure we take advantage of them, of taking shots over their head to Malachi Coleman or Billy Kemp or Doss, those type of things, because there's not going to be many of them because you're not going to be able to sit back there and pass protection against this team for a very long time. But when we have those opportunities, we have to make the most of them. Searles, uh, what do you think happens at quarterback? Uh, do you think Chubba gets... The, the the nod for a second week because of his dual threat ability. I mean, clearly he looks like he's the best passer, uh, but you talked about how pivotal the run game is going to be. If Harburg's healthy, I mean, he's 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 a tougher runner, or at least his style's more physical. Chubba's a faster runner, or at least more uh, more elusive, more big play. Both guys can do big plays on the ground. Yeah, honestly, I think we'll see all three. You know, with with Grant being injured, and being out of that game, you know, you're thin at the linebacker, at the running back position. Like, I remember Grant getting hurt. I looked at my wife, and I was like, gun to my head, tell me who the fourth running back is behind Josh Fleeks. No idea. Pull the trigger. Right? Like, we're, we're basically <laughs> at that point in death chart on the running back position. So having Harburg, Chubba, and even possibly Sims finding a way to put some gadgets in and finding ways to try and just get some guys that can run with the ball in their hands, I think we'll see all three as a chance. And honestly, Harburg being healthy at this time of the year – you know, coming off a high ankle like that, you're not really sort of kind of you're sort of kind of healthy. And if that is his strength of the game is being a powerful runner, if you're kind of running on an 80 percent or even a 75 percent leg, that's not really the strength of your game anymore. So it's with the with the, the issue really for the offense all year being trying to find that one quarterback. Your solution is three quarterbacks. Put them all in the game at the same time. Is that what you're saying here? Like, remember the old Bo Pelini diamond formation? Yeah. You just go Why three not? quarterbacks in the backfield. Why not, right? Have Harburg, have Purdy, have Sims back there. Obviously, don't give it to Sims, but like you know, just kind of figure it out as you go. Who knows what's going to happen? Searles, what's this season kind of meant to you as a guy who's had a chance to, to do a couple of games uh, from the booth? You're around the program uh, a ton. You uh, bleed red. Have you been impressed, happy, uh, pausing? Where, where's your take on the topic of progress yeah you know i called at the beginning of the year i thought it was gonna be a five-win season you know that's kind of where i pegged it you know and the sad thing is this could very easily be a seven-win season right now you know i think we dropped the game in minneapolis and we dropped the maryland game those are the two games to me that are really dropped games that i thought we had every opportunity to win those football games and you know so you look at a team that's really close in a lot of areas and I know that Husker Nation and myself included kind of fall into this trap of like, well, Scott Frost did the same thing, right? Like it was a one-score games. It was all this stuff. But for me, they're different end-of-game scenarios than they've been in the past in the fact that we are not imploding in the fourth quarter, in my opinion. You know, we're putting ourselves in a position we're just not quite executing at the high enough level to win, but it's not a total implosion like we've seen at times in the fourth quarter under the Scott Frost regime. So I'm happy with where the growth is. 
I'm happy with where I see the future of this offense and this defense and the special teams and this whole team going. Again, I think Matt Rule's done a phenomenal job of flipping the culture on its head within the first year. I am happy with where the Husker program is at, and I think it'd be a great way to cap off the year to go to a bowl game. It's been a lot of years, Searles, in the pros, and it is open season in some of those bigger markets on a team's offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. Right? And in Satterfield, people are really respectful. The media in, in Nebraska, I'll say that. Uh, that said, there's been questions, and, and you have social media. You've heard the, the, the fans outcry at times, specifically the last uh, two fourth quarters, uh, last two minutes of the, the last two fourth quarters. What's your take on set? Is the guy trying to make a, a gourmet meal with, and I'm not knocking the talent of the kids, it's just he's been dealing with an, an injured side of the football. Is that yeah, how you've I mean, looked at it? Yeah, you know, it's hard for me to call for the head of a, an offense. I'm not asking that. I'm saying no, the no, upside saying of like, the, the system. For sure. No, I'm talking about like the outside world calling for yeah. the head of Satterfield, right? It's hard for me to jump on that bandwagon when you really look at it from an objective person or like objective view. Like this dude lost his top two running backs in the exact same game. He's lost multiple offensive linemen, right? You lose Marcus Washington midpoint of the year. He really was hurt for the all of camps. So you didn't really have him either, right? You've got Fedoni, who's a first-year player coming in. You start going in a rotating ring of quarterbacks because Sims wasn't the guy you thought he was when you got him here. Like, it's really hard for me to pin all of that on the offensive coordinator and say he's the issue, mm-hmm. right? I just got done doing a podcast for the NFL where I really don't understand why they fired the Buffalo offensive coordinator. Like, I really don't understand why they fired him because it's like he wasn't throwing the interceptions, right? Like, he wasn't the one out there fumbling the ball. Like, they were ranked first in every category, but it comes down to eventually someone has to fall on the sword and everyone's going to have to fall on the sword at one point. But for me, it was the injuries this year. Mm-hmm. It was the injuries. It was all those things. And Rule nailed it in his press conference. Why, when I'm trying to rebuild something from the ground up, would I take an entire phase of the ball and start from ground zero all over again? Sure. It just doesn't make sense. So before we get you out of here, I want to get your thoughts on, on the offseason ahead for this Husker offense. Outside the quarterback position, I think we're all in agreement that Nebraska is likely going to go to the portal for a quarterback. Are there any other spots on the offense where you think Nebraska needs an instant influx of talent via the portal, or do, or do you trust the young guys on that offense? Wide receiver. We need a veteran wide receiver. I love the young guys that we have in Malachi Coleman and Dawes and some of the other guys, but we need to bring in a true number one big-time receiver to give our quarterback, whoever he is that we bring in, a chance. Right? You can look across the league. Even the, even the young quarterbacks in the league that come in, if they don't have a guy at receiver – it's really hard, right? It's why the Bears traded for DJ Moore to go get Justin Fields a guy. It's why C.J. Stroud has Tank Dell, right? It's, it's a proven fact that if you can have a number one wide receiver, it makes the quarterback's job easier. It's why Adrian Martinez is a freshman, just found wherever Stanley Morgan was and threw him the football, right? It's why last year they had Palmer and Casey Thompson just threw him the football, right? When you have that security blanket, it helps. And then that, helps, that also helps with the, the, the depth building and the way that those young receivers like grow and develop. So I think the receiving position is definitely the number two spot that we need to go get at least one or two guys out of the portal. Jeremiah Searles with a Searles quick prediction. I think uh, I think I think Nebraska wins this game thirteen to ten. All right. I think I think that's the kind of game that we're going to have. Big red by three says Papa Searles. Best to you and your family, Jeremiah. Have a great Thanksgiving, man. Hey, appreciate you guys. Go big red. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio.
Back in Hale Varsity Radio, Nebraska, Iowa Week, we welcome in really talented college football man, Scott Docterman, uh, with uh, The Athletic and, of course, covers Iowa and college football. Scott, what a season it's been. Can, can you believe it? We, we nod and say what's up every year in Indy uh, for Big Ten Media Days. And fast forward, it's already, well, uh, Nebraska-Iowa weekend. How are you? I'm doing well, but I'm 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 like I'm I'm with everybody else. Where when you get close to the end, you just go, "Wow, where did the time go?" And it mm-hmm. always seems to happen this way. And here we are again. And you, everybody, you, you've talked for nine months. You're so excited about college football. You project everything, and and then you, before you know it, it's like, "Wow, for, a quarter, uh, quarter of the season's gone." And now here we are going into the last game. Well, Scott, I want to get the the loadout on Iowa. Uh, the uh, the two parts to this coin on field off field. Let's focus on the the off field drama just for a moment with the decision by administration to move on from Brian Ferentz. How you've kind of processed and absorbed all of this, and what's your temperature right now of of Coach Kirk Ferentz and and kind of where he's at in his career and his time at Iowa. Could could Friday be his last regular season uh, appearance with Iowa, or do you think, you know what, he'll move forward and deal without having his son as OC? You know, initially you kind of, I, everybody kind of wondered it, and I was among them, you know, re- trying to read the tea leaves, you know, when Brian Ferentz was pushed out that, that Kirk Ferentz might step away. But uh, the people I've talked to closest to him have decided that, no, he doesn't, he's not going to leave. Um, he's uh, happy coaching the team now that may mean that certain things like (laughs) giving money back to the athletics department i could see that one probably evaporating now Mm -hmm. because of this but but by and large um if if he did have a chance to leave i i think that the players would have sensed it too and and if you want to say that if if there's anything that kind of showcases uh, the prowess that kirk ferentz has as a coach it's how his team has kept its mentality straight on since this all took place because uh, you know this could have been a moment where they went right down the you know the toilet mm-hmm. and instead that they've won every game since then they haven't played any differently you know they haven't played like let's win one for brian although the other day they did dump him with a bucket of power aid um and but they they've really kept their focus and that's to be you know certainly a credit to, to kirk ferentz who's been able to do this for a long long time Scott Docterman's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. We're talking Iowa football, Nebraska-Iowa Black Friday. And, Scott, a a thought from you on just the atmosphere. And let's go back to Saturday, the win over Illinois to clinch this early. Uh, Yeah, it was was certainly an interesting scene in in Iowa City because, you know, the the atmosphere surrounding the team has been – pretty mixed as you can imagine i mean the offense has been so bad for, for you know a couple of years now but especially this year that the fans you know had been kind of i don't know grumpy is the best way to describe it they were poo-pooing <laughs> every win everything uh, you know without really getting too detailed but then um but i think in some ways uh, announcing that brian Ferentz would leave at the end of the season has kind of uh, you know been a release valve almost popped a blister and and, you know, some fans have been able to say, OK, well, maybe they can enjoy it a little bit more. And then the other day, 
you know, it was a typical Iowa game this year where everything was played really close to the vest. Um, they didn't really make any mistakes, but they weren't playing well on offense for most part. And then at the end, they put forth one of the, you know, really an, an impactful play. I mean, it's a division winning play in, in the last couple of minutes of action. And, and so um, I think people were pretty excited. You know, there wasn't a rush to the field moment, but they were very uh you know, excited for this team to overcome its liabilities to, you know, end up winning the West division. What What do you think about with this nine and two record? Are you amazed by it or are you, well, Hey, uh, it, it's the big 10 and Iowa's adapted appropriately to this last hurrah in the West division. But, but overall, I mean, they are just better than most. They're more physical. They're, uh, insanely talented on defense and hey guess what they're like everybody else in the division they can just do enough on offense to survive i think i think what it comes down to with iowa versus pretty much most of its competition is uh the mental focus that it has on doing its job has kind of been what has enabled it to, to succeed where others have not or come close and and i think you, you look back at a little over three weeks ago, there was a four-way tie across the the Big Ten West. And any of those four teams, I mean, talent-wise, they're comparable, uh, ability-wise, yet you know, one has been able to, to stand out and, and even win and persevere in, in these games. And it's because of the mental focus that they have, because yes, their defense is tremendous. They're, they have the best punter in the country. They have good special teams, but you know, they also lost its best player um, in Cooper DeGene, um, you know, when he was practicing offense, nevertheless. And um, that, you know, that could, again, could really harm a team, but instead they were able to, to move forward. And, and uh, so, you know, the Big Ten is, you know, clearly a group of three and then everybody else. But Iowa in, in its philosophy and its style of play and the way it channels and focuses and, and wins play by play and plays a kind of a, the boring cliche of one play at a time. But it works. And that's why it's nine and two. And nobody else is really close to it. But right now, it's that mentality that, that Matt Rules preached all year. You know, one you know, one and zero each week, one play at a time, kind of shrink it down to to that process, and and you know, get better doing that. What's your take on on Coach Rule and what you've seen to your West uh, with Nebraska this year? There's a lot I like about Nebraska. I really think that they're on the right path. I. Uh, I like what, you know, Matt Rule's message is, is. I like the way they play defense. Obviously, their defense is right there with Iowa's as being among the best in the country. Um, you know, it, it's really the turnovers. And, you know, if that's, you know, uh, per, uh, Purdy Jr., Chubba Purdy Jr., mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, out there, if he if he can be the one to, to kind of limit the turnovers or, or whatever, I think then, then if they can kind of, adapt at least feel you know mentally and do the do all the little things right that there's no question in my mind that they're going to be a team that can take that jump and and be a you know if if not a 
championship caliber team next year in the Big Ten. Certainly one that's going to be, um, you know, upper tier, you know, a ranked type team. So I, I really like what he's done. I think uh, the, the no excuses was really important. I felt like that's when, one thing with Scott Frost, that there was always something to blame, whereas, you know, Matt per, uh, Rule has never done that. And so I like the approach. Um, it's been an unfortunate kind of run the last few weeks of close losses, but I think overall in the big picture, he's got Nebraska on the right track. What do you think about Friday, Scott? Uh, Vegas says this thing's a coin flip. Iowa's been favored. Nebraska's been favored. Uh, you have uh, both teams playing with backup quarterbacks. Iowa's run game has shown uh, a bit of life, and Nebraska's offense, uh, a far cry from what it's been, at least with that pretty factor. Um, what, uh, what's the difference on, on Black Friday? I think it's going to come down to the very smallest of details and it's boring and it's people are going to make fun of everybody on Twitter about it on Friday, but it's going to come down to field position. It's going to come down to turnovers, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, penalties, um, you know, just because I think, you know, both teams run the ball somewhat effectively. Iowa's has gotten much better over the last month or so. Um, Nebraska's is one of the, you know, I think it is number one in the big 10. And both defenses are outstanding, um, but it is going to come down to those smaller details, you know, whether or not the punt goes out at the five instead of goes in the end zone, whether, you know, the turnovers, I think, are probably the biggest key. But I expect this to come down to the end. And and this this could be a defining win for Nebraska, not just because of, you know, forget who they're playing necessarily. It's what they're playing against because they've lost so many of these little close games that if they can find a way to get over the top against against a pretty good team in Iowa and and win a game and get to a bowl game, this is one that can really propel Nebraska to the future. Like, okay, we, we can win the close games. We can avoid the big mistakes and get to a bowl game, get those extra practices, and they're going to be highly sought – um, in the bowl by the bowl alliance, you know, uh, you know, I would expect Vegas to, to be very interested in Nebraska if they can win. But you know, they're going up against a team that is, you know, again very mentally focused, you know, physically dominant on defense, and uh, also very very banged up. Um, you know, arguably it's net, you know three of it, it's three best players are out for the season, and it's quarterback. It's played better, but he's been inconsistent through the season. So there's an opportunity there for Nebraska to win this game, but um, they're going to have to go against a team that's that's you know that's once uh, what I think it's 17 out of its last 18 November games. The only loss came last year in Iowa City, so uh, to Nebraska. How is that memory for this Hawkeye group? Uh, last year, we were on the road for it. We were there and surprised a lot of us. Uh, and then you made the, the midnight drive back because wor- word was, uh, here's Rule, uh, you know, here's Johnny. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you were back to cover the, the announcement. But this Iowa team, uh, is that uh, a – a memory they're carrying with them or does it matter? It's, it's Nebraska. They were going to, they're going to be up for it anyway. Yeah. It's one of the, you know, it's something that they're going to be focused on anyway. I mean, they have accomplished their goal of winning the West already. So I, I, we get to talk to them in a few hours and to see, but, but you know, they, they, any kind of trophy game matters to them uh, losing, you know, Iowa state loss last year really was the one that chapped them the most. And, and so they went, were able to go to Ames and do it. I I, I imagine that's the same focus with Nebraska. It's, it's an important game, you know, having somebody 
win a trophy at your home and and uh, costed them the West Division was something that you know mattered to them. Um, you know they also had significant injuries in that game. Uh, you know Spencer Petrus is still you know he just hit the transfer portal, but you know he you know he tore his labrum and his rotator cuff by a hit that game, and then their backup quarterback who has since transferred to SMU and is the third team quarterback. Just to give you a little bit of a background mm-hmm. on how good he was, and then Cooper DeGene got knocked out, and they put a true freshman in Trey Palmer. Uh, pretty bad matchup, I think, uh, across the board. Uh, Trey Palmer abused him and got some good film for the NFL. So I, I think that it matters uh, a lot. But I also think the one thing this team does pretty well is it doesn't get too hyped for one singular opponent. It just focuses on the task at hand. And and so, yes, they're going to want to win at Nebraska, win the Heroes Trophy, take it back to Iowa City, and probably take a if, – if they were to happen to win, probably have some shot in Florida if, if uh, Nebraska can't go to a bowl game. But but they're not going to put more emphasis on this than they would pretty much any other game. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Scott Docterman's with us. Nebraska, Iowa, Black Friday, Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, find Scott at Scott Docterman on Twitter. Read him with The Athletic. Does an amazing job of covering uh, Iowa, the Big Ten, and college football. Hawkeye fans want to see who in Indy, Ohio State or Michigan? Uh, great question. Um, you know, if Caden McNamara and Eric All were able to play, I think sure. it would probably be Michigan. But now with – you know, I they, they don't they you know they've been in the same league with them for a hundred plus years, and they don't like either one. And I think stylistically, <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, Ohio State's a little more explosive. I it's hard to say which one's a better matchup because I don't think either one's a good matchup for Iowa. So, I'll I'll flip a coin and say Ohio State, but. I think they would have really loved to have Cooper DeGene back there trying to defend Marvin Harrison versus, I don't know, anybody else on the planet. <laughs> no, that, that's a good point. Uh, last thought, and Scott Docterman with us will get you out here with The Athletic. Just your your reaction here with uh, with, with Michigan. Uh, despite all of uh, the, the scandal, they could go get it done for a third straight year against Ohio State. And, you know, if they if they handle their business, they're either team supposed to, to, to beat the West opponent, whoever that was. Right. And, and then you're 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 playoff bound. I mean, if if Michigan does this, is this uh, 2023 uh, movie going to be titled The Bad Guys Won? Yeah, they're kind of like the 86 Mets. Right, you know? right, book. I love the book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're the team everybody hated, and they, they I think they embraced that, I, and I get it. I mean, you know, for pretty much uh, covering the Big Ten, it's always been Ohio State is kind of the evil empire. In fact, we've always referred to Ohio Stadium as uh, the Death Star, but, you know, I, <laughs> you know the, but the, in this case, it, the, the villain is, has turned to, to Ann Arbor, and um, you know, I, if they're them, you, you've got to embrace it and accept it. They like being that, that those bad guys. Cause for a long time, they've been, uh, the, the junior partner in that rivalry with Ohio state. And that does not wear well with either school, but, but, you know, I will say this, that whoever wins, um, and they play Iowa, Iowa does not have near the talent to match up with them. We know that. But Iowa has won a few games against teams of that caliber, including 2016 against Michigan, which was number two, similar type team. And they just played it really close to the vest, played 
very physical and, um, you know, and just kept it close. And then at the end, one on a last second field goal. And, and to me, the greatest upset I've ever been, I've ever seen was in 2003 in the big 12 championship, but number one, Oklahoma 12 and 0 considered by many is the best team in college football history got beat by nine and three Kansas state at Arrowhead stadium. And, and I still remember that to this day. And, so I'm not going to completely shut out any kind of idea that maybe Iowa pulls an upset. I know it's a one to 100 chance, but but I'll say this that you know somebody like in Ann Arbor or Columbus probably shouldn't celebrate too much. They should concentrate because they're going to get a real you know, they're going to get a fist in the mouth a few times against Iowa. Oh, it'll be physical, absolutely. Scott Doctorman, the Athletic, and at Scott Doctorman on Twitter. Hey, Scott, we will check in soon. Thanks for giving us a few few minutes this week here for Nebraska Iowa. Thanks for having me, Chris. I really appreciate it. Good to spend time with Scott Docterman. Always fun to sit down with him in Indy. We'll get to see one another Friday in the press box. Uh, but he is uh, making his way westward. Was gracious to us last year in Iowa City. Good stuff, Scott Docterman with The Athletic. Okay, Chubba Purdy spoke with the media today. We uh, heard from Ty Robinson. He's back for year six. High five if you're a big Red fan. Uh, Tony White looking at his options clearly as his name is mentioned for the San Diego State job. And we talked with Mitch Sherman about that. How about this? How about Chubba's future? Mitch asked him that today. Cut four here from Chubba. I mean, we're just focused on this week. Got to got to go one and zero this week and just keep working hard and just focus on this Iowa game. And then after this this game, uh, try and go to a bowl game. Uh, so we're just going to take it one step at a time. And then after the season, when everything's done, uh, we'll go from there. So That wasn't I'm leaving. That wasn't I'm staying. That was, oh, yeah, I'm graduating uh, in December. So I could be a graduate transfer. More from Chubba. And, uh, you know, the question was this, dude, why aren't you playing more after what you looked like against Wisconsin? So, uh Chubba answered the, the question here, what he had to work through uh, injury-wise a lot of this season. I was just dealing with some stuff, lower body stuff. I mean, just trying to get right, um, just getting some treatment. Um, but right now, I mean, since I've been taking some time off, obviously, because I didn't play much this whole year, um, I feel really good. Um, after that past game, you know, I ran a lot. Um, so I got treatment and stuff. But I think as of right now, like I feel, I feel pretty fresh. And at what point was it okay to play for Chubba? Um, man, I really couldn't tell you on that one. Um, they just really had me, like, like if we really need you, like, you're going to have to go in and play. So that was sort of just the, the whole thing, the whole entire year. So, so let, let's just revisit this for two seconds, and we invite you to check out the Average Joe Sports Show podcast. We had a chance to drop that this morning. Mitch Sherman, Bill Dolman, myself, Elijah Herbal. And so is is – this whole quarter, Elijah, what what do you think this season could be? If we're if and we'll dive in Wednesday tomorrow with the whole record progress discussion. Okay, as we loom towards Black Friday, that's big theme tomorrow for us. All that being said, with these injuries, Nebraska's had on offense. Could could you have more wins? in your back pocket with a different quarterback choice. Well, I mean, think, think, and this is me saying it in the moment, but I'm asking myself, 
in five years, how am I going to remember this Husker football season? Sure, sure. What but am I, I going to remember it by? It's, and it's going to be by Nebraska's quarterback situation. It's going to be a case it. of me looking back saying, man, that Nebraska team could have gotten eight or nine wins if they had a, a competent quarterback plan. You, you, well, in Nebraska fans do this, at least the ones I bump into. They would, they would like to have changed Joe Gans's name and, and dropped him in 2009. <laughs> I mean, think about that defense paired with a, all they were missing in 09 was a quarterback because you had a good run game, good line, playmakers at wide receiver, and you had that Sioux defense. I mean, it's, it's always something for a lot of teams. And, and you're going to look back on that season differently because there wasn't injuries on the offensive side of the ball, and I, I think the team ceiling was higher, but, but that's going to be limited. Right or wrong, I, I think the, the injuries were pretty debilitating to this offense this season, but I think there was enough offense to go win some football games. So how the season's going to be remembered is, man, if the quarterbacks didn't turn the football over, man, if Nebraska had a quarterback, or whoever the quarterback is in five seasons, man, if he was playing back in 2023, how different would that season have been? Because it's going to be a different Big Ten by the time we get there. You may look mm-hmm. back in the season and say, man, that was Nebraska's opportunity to get to a Big Ten title game. They could have done it in year one under rule if only they had a quarterback. That's how the season's going to go down. And as bad and down as the West, I mean, the, the West is always a rock fight, but it's especially rocky this 2023 season. And that's how, look at it, I, 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 I am pretty impressed with the next man up development. I think Nebraska's done a hell of a job developing this year on both sides of the football, the inconsistency on special teams. We'll, we'll make our hit list tomorrow. But, yeah, quarterback play. I mean, is it as simple as, well, here's our referral, here's our quarterback Sims, here's a bleep load of money for our, our NIL portal quarterback that didn't turn out and you, you didn't have a competition? And now... And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Greg from Michigan chimes in. Iowa is the stuffing when it comes to Thanksgiving dish options. Hardly and fundamentally sound. Make that hearty. God, I can't read. Iowa is the stuffing. Hardy. And fundamentally sound. We appreciate everyone's contributions on the stream and uh, all your comments there, your emails, and, uh, of course, your uh, chime-ins that way at 489-1240. Some decent phone calls on that. Uh, Back in... Hold on. We are on the road tomorrow, single barrel, 4 to 6, your Thanksgiving Eve at the single barrel. So excited to be down there, 4 to 6, road show Wednesday, back there from pretty much 6 a.m. to 11 Friday for Black Friday for the pregame. We'll drop in a little KFOR morning show for you, and then a morning edition of Hale Varsity Black Friday. And then the bar, the bar, Elijah, I'm going to buy you a slinky after the show's done. Okay, because I'm going to have to do the show from in studio I know. on Friday, I know, which I know. is tough. Because Slinky is during the show. I mean, can we get like Uber Eats? Can you deliver a Slinky? You know what we'll do? We'll tell Junior to bring, well, hold on. That would look bad. <laughs> a teenage son to bring you alcohol. <laughs> What's Dad doing? He's in jail. Uh, so we'll, 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 we'll get you. We'll, we'll send to St. Bernard well, with he, a Slinky from the bar, the bar. Smitty, why would way. you go to jail? If he gets caught, you knew nothing about it. Sure, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'll just be wearing my my uh, 
my navy hat with that, that yellow M on it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, reminder to buckle up this holiday season and at all times. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. This message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Speaking of Harbaugh, do you want to do Harbaugh or do you want to do Ben Hart? I want to do Ben Hart. Ben Hart, uh, he is knocking on that Searles door. Career start 41 for Bryce Benhart, as he's really uh, had a good season, really has uh, made a jump. Good for him. He was asked about Emmett Johnson, and we uh, edited this so we're not fired. He likes to he likes to hit people. I can tell you that much. <laughs> he likes to run downhill. I mean, the gaps are open. And he just, he'll just hit them and just run. It's it's great to see a running back like any of the running backs hit downhill and just run through linebackers, run through corners, even run get around D lineman, run through D lineman. I mean, it's great to have a running back that just runs, run downhill, gain yards. I, oh man, that was priceless. He likes to. Hit people. I mean, and you talked about development in the last segment, Schmitty, the development you've seen on offense. You've seen on the offensive line, but is Emmett Johnson not the, the, the poster boy for the development on the offensive side of the Emmett ball? Emmett Johnson. There's candidates on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively? Both those guys, former Minnesota football players of the year. All right. Bryce Benhart, a lineman that everybody in the Big Ten wanted, and Emmett Johnson, the offensive player, running back, and his story is great. I love talking with Emmett that signing day. He was a fun, fun interview. He's kept grinding. And the thing about Emmett Johnson is he's a guy that, that Ron Brown got to recruit because of the coaching change when Frosty blew out his assistants. Ron Brown had to step in and recruit and help out because he was coaching running backs. And Emmett's a guy at some film he saw, and old Ron Brown's like, dude, we think you can play here. And Emmett's nice. Uh, it'd be very appropriate for Emmett to get paid off with a career high in carries and get that century mark because he's been hovering around it. Back tomorrow at 4. Come see us Thanksgiving Eve. We're at the Single Barrel. Ninth and P. Talk to you then. A Huda Media Production.